Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Uh, well, we, we got to Friday. We're doing it on the right day. Uh, a little bit early on the time, though, and I apologize about that. I really do intend for this show to be every Friday at noon Eastern time. But, uh, you know, for the past two Fridays, it's just been cool acting opportunities that have popped up that I have to take in the city. And this Friday is no different. This Friday I'm going into the city for a stage reading in a few hours. So I have things I have to get to before that happens. So the show has to be a little bit earlier. Uh, we're only about an hour earlier today, though, so apologies if you're tuning in at noon to hear the show live. Um, so let's talk about chaos magic. That is today's show, and I don't think you can talk about chaos magic without doing a cool Batman voice. Chaos magic. Um, <laughs> oh, that kind of hurt. I shouldn't have done that. Um, so chaos magic. The reason I want to get into what's uh, a little malfunction there. The reason I want to get into chaos magic today is because the whole point of learning paganism is really twofold. First, it's to talk about things that I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on. You know, I am learning paganism, hence the name of the show. So I am approaching this as a learner, not really a teacher. But there will be some episodes where I feel like, okay, I've been into this thing for years, or, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading on this thing, or for whatever reason, I might have unique insight on whatever the thing is just because of other parts of my life, other things I've been interested in, my profession, blah, blah, blah. Many reasons that I feel like I could have some kind of insight or expertise into something and might actually be able to, like, relay some information about it as, as a sort of teacher or just someone who might be a little bit farther down the path, whatever that thing is, than, than a novice. So that's the first one. The second one is uh, the second purpose of the show is to really talk about it as a student. And whereas the last show, uh, Getting Started with Tarot, I do feel pretty far down the tarot path. I'm definitely farther than someone who just went out and bought their first tarot deck. So I'm by no means an expert or anything in tarot, but my understanding of tarot is grounded already in a pretty esoteric historical viewpoint and not so much grounded in the new age, you know, view of tarot. So I do feel like just because that's, that's what I'm interested in when it comes to tarot, I do have kind of a knowledge base already building and, and growing literally every day uh, of, of the tarot as a whole, each individual card, different layouts, different, et cetera, et cetera. So the last show was really sort of from that teaching standpoint. This show, however, is really, really fresh and interesting. And I wanted to do it on Chaos Magic because I'm totally new to Chaos Magic. I mean, I've heard, uh, you know, the term floating around for years. I think probably everyone has heard the term in relation to, you know, modern Satanism, in relation to modern paganism, in relation to a lot of different occult uh, ways of seeing the world. 
you hear this chaos magic over and over and over again, and it sounds very cool and very punk. And so you, you, I anyway, just assumed that it was something, you know, some derivative of some old German, you know, text that's all about slaughtering lambs and spicing babies, etc. Um, so this week I actually started to get interested in what chaos magic is because I feel like as, as a learner, um, there's really like two kinds of pagans that I can see from my vantage point right now. There are practicing pagans and non-practicing pagans. So there are pagans that are actually practicing magic, right, as a functional tool in their lives. And then there are pagans who are aware of magic and aware of ceremony and ritual, but don't really practice it. They may, you know, um, have certain herbs that they keep in their house. They may, you know, have, uh, I don't know, uh, some sort of talismans that they keep around, but they're not actively doing rituals. They're not actively doing, uh, you know, anything really beyond meditation. Um, that's the way I see it right now. And please, if, 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 if I'm wrong about that, you know, feel free to call into the show uh, and leave a message or call into the show when it's live, <laughs> assuming you can ever get the show at its, at its normal time. Um, so that's the way I see it. There's practicing and, and non-practicing. And really, I guess what I'm saying is there's practicing magicians and non-practicing magicians. So chaos magic, I got really interested in it this past week because I feel like when, you're, when you are where I am, which is you have like a pretty good knowledge base getting built up and you've read a lot of, you know, Cunningham and you're starting to branch out into the deeper text you really are at a point or I am really at a point where it's time to make a decision about what specific avenue I want to go down. So I've gotten through, you know, Cunningham's Wicca. I've gotten through uh, a lot of these other, you know, I've gotten through Rachel Pollock's uh, tarot book and I'm now going through it like the second or third time. I've gotten through some other, you know, cool spiritual texts like be here now. Um, I've gotten through these things that are all sort of introductory and I'm feeling a pull towards a deeper specificity at this moment, which means it's time to make a choice about what that specificity is. So what I'm really feeling drawn toward right now into doing is finding one specific area of paganism or one specific area of occultism or magical thinking or spirituality or whatever that, that is really drawing me and then sort of go all in on that. Now, that's harder than it sounds because, as I'm sure you know if you're listening to this show, these are not light topics. These are dense, dense topics. Chaos magic, we're just going to skim the surface of it today. If we even get to the surface, we might just sort of talk around because it's so vast that already I can tell it's so vast and all of these things are tarot is so vast. I mean, there, there, there's so many different ways to approach. I mean, there's 78 cards in the deck for Christ's sake, each one with its own meaning. And then the meanings all have pairings with other meanings. And then all those paired meanings have meanings in layouts. And then that's not even accounting for intuition and magical thought and blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. So chaos magic is the same way. That's the first thing to know about it, I suppose, is that it's no different from every other spiritual thought, uh, you know, pagan thinking. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And there's all kinds of required texts standing chaos magic. Let me be honest. 
Let me be right up front right now. Like I said, I'm approaching this from a learner standpoint. At this point, I've got two books coming my way in the mail right now. Uh, one is Libra Null, and the other, oh, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> my point is that I am not into the study study part of this yet, all right? I am very much on the perimeter of it, okay? But I thought this would be an interesting show to start talking about it because like the tarot episode last episode, we're going to have many more tarot episodes. And we're going to have, I believe, many more chaos magic episodes. We're just going to keep going farther and farther down the rabbit hole with these things so that if you are a new person, you can come back and listen to this episode as the first introductory episode to Chaos Magic and then progress through each of the Chaos Magic episodes and learn a little bit more as I'm learning more. That's the point. So without really having dived into this topic yet, here is my general understanding of what Chaos Magic is and, why, and, and a little bit of why I'm interested in learning more about it. Okay. So, and big, big disclaimer up front. If I get things wrong, please correct me. Please let me know. You can get in touch with me on Blog Talk Radio, find, find uh, the show. You know, you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes now. Get in touch with me in, in those platforms and let me know, oh, you said this thing, it was huge, it was wrong, I will correct myself in the next episode, and I'll even give you a little shout-out for correcting me. All right, here we go. I'm going to get a little sip of water before we jump into this, because this is, this is, I'm going to have to do a lot of, like, thinking and being calculated here. All right, chaos magic. Here's my understanding of it historically. Uh, without getting into dates or anything, and I'm sure we will have like a history of chaos magic episode, which we'll get into with much more specificity. But without getting into dates or anything, basically, there was a time in the world of paganism and magical thought where uh, most of the magical energy that practitioners were drawing on came from uh, what we would call the spirit world. Okay. So this was a time when you were invoking actual spirits to do your bidding. Then that evolved, and now there's, there was a time where practitioners were drawing on what you would just call energetic forces to do whatever it was they were doing. All right? So these were less attached to physical deities and more attached to energetic principles of the universe. This has evolved even further into psychological uh, there's like a cool tech sort of chaos magic going on. But in this energetic period, right, we start having people who start having these, this really, I would guess, I would call it postmodern reaction to magical thought. Magical thought up until this point is very ritualistic. It's very ceremonial. It's hierarchical, I would say. There are, you know, groups of people, we would call them covens, um, groups of people or, you know, maybe Masonic people, whatever, whoever they are who's, who are practicing, there are groups of people who are in an established hierarchy. And at the top of that hierarchy are the people who hold all the secret wisdom, all the secret knowledge. They're the ones essentially with the keys to the kingdom when it comes to knowledge. And in order to get to that point, you have to go through years of study 
years. I mean, some of these places even have age restrictions. Like you can't know X until you're older than 35. I mean, depending on the organization you're talking about, um, there are all kinds of rules, that hoops that you have to jump through, some of which, you know, literally take years and years, maybe even decades to jump through before you are given any sort of access to any sort of knowledge that would offer you a direct communion with some sort of magical force that's going to help you, you know, enliven your life um, or <laughs> enliven your life. That was repetitive. Uh, enrich your life. There we go. All right. So chaos magic has a different approach, and I call it sort of postmodern. And what that really means magically is that these are groups of people who were saying, you know, all that ritual stuff, all that ceremonial stuff, all that hierarchical stuff is irrelevant. It, it's only there so that um, basically you can keep people's magical thinking in line. Some people were even conspiratorial about this, saying that it was really there so that people would never understand the true potential of their magical reality, all right? So chaos magic says, no, we're done with all that noise. We're done with all the ceremony. We're done with all that stuff. You can practice magic how you want, and here are the tools you need to do it, all right? So this is in stark contrast to previous magical thought, okay? And this catches on pretty quickly. And even now, I would say that you see derivatives of it in Gardnerian Wicca, you see derivatives of it in other magical forms of thinking, all right? But basically, the basic point of it is that you are a, an independent operator of the hierarchical systems which have created magical ritual, magical ceremony, magical systems of thought. That's the first part, I would say. The second part is that Everything is magical. And this is where I might get tripped up. So if you're, if you're somebody who likes to correct people online, this is where you should listen up. <laughs> the second part, as I understand it right now, is that we live in a magical universe. Okay, now let's talk about what reality is for a second without getting too deep into that topic because I don't have my bong sitting next to me. <laughs> let's talk about what reality is. Assume that you live in a magical universe. Assume it, all right? Do a thought experiment with me. If you live in a magical universe, and what I mean by that is everything, magic is like gravity. Magic is like, you know, every other physical scientific force in the universe. It is ever persistent. It is ever influential. Even, if it, even, if it, even in its absence, the absence of it is influential, all right, just like gravity. So assume that that is the case, and you don't have to take this on to your you know, personal life for the rest of your life until you die. But for this thought experiment, it's assumed that's the case. What implications does that have beyond the obvious? All right, the obvious implication is that, you know, right now I'm looking down at a candle, um, which, is, which is currently on fire, and I'm looking at that candle, and the obvious implication is that there is some sort of magical force flowing through that fire, through that candle, through the metal container that that candle is in, through the candle wax itself, that there is an energy force going through it that, is also going through me, going through the room that I'm in, going through the computer or phone that you're listening to this episode on, your earbuds, your speakers, your shoelaces, whatever, all right? That's the obvious. But then here is a subtler 
uh, and I would say more poetic viewpoint, consider Freddy Krueger. And I love this example. Uh, this is immediately what I thought of when I started reading about this particular part of Chaos Rising. Consider Freddy Krueger. Now, let me school you in a little Freddy Krueger here. I'm a big Freddy fan. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street when I was five years old. I've seen every single one of them. Um, I don't love them all. <laughs> but Freddy's just always been a part of my life. I grew up when Freddy Fever was everywhere. I grew up in the glory days of New Line. Um, so Freddy is just, you know, he's been a big part of my life for as long as I've been alive. Now, the last standalone Nightmare on Elm Street before they rebooted it was called Wes Craven's New Nightmare. And Wes Craven's New Nightmare was so-called because it was Wes Craven's return, the late Wes Craven, returned to the series after directing the first one. So he directed the first one and then the New Nightmare. And all those middle, what, two through six were other people. All right, so Wes Craven, glorious return. If you've not seen New Nightmare and you are a Freddy fan, if you like the first uh, Freddy Nightmare on Elm Street at all, I would say go watch New Nightmare because there's a really interesting conceit in New Nightmare. And I think that conceit perfectly illustrates uh, what this complex idea that Chaos and Isaac's talking about that I want to talk about. The idea in New Nightmare, New Nightmare is set in, quote-unquote, the real world. So the actor who played Freddy Krueger, Robert England, in Nightmare on Elm Street, plays himself in the movie. The actress who played Nancy plays herself in the movie. And in the movie, she has a husband and has a son, and she's an actor trying to get work in, in L.A. And, and Robert England is the actor who actually played Freddy in the movie. And so he does interviews as Freddy, and he does appearances as Freddy. And in the movie, they are creating another Freddy movie. All right? And Wes Craven has been having all kinds of crazy nightmares, thoughts about the character of Freddy Krueger, and Robert England is having them, and Nancy is having them, and it's a really interesting idea. It's kind of like a meta-horror movie. Um, it's set in the real world. Now, the plot, I don't think this is spoiling anything, because if you see the poster, you see that Freddy does appear at some point in this movie. Freddy, as a character, Freddy Krueger, appears in the movie. But how could that be? since the movie is following the actor, since the actor who played Freddy Krueger is in the movie as the actor who played Freddy Krueger. How that exists is that our collective unconscious is so familiarized with Freddy Krueger that there is a spiritual energy out there that has latched onto Freddy Krueger as a collective unconscious symbol and made him real as an embodiment of fear because so many people in the world believed that he was a real embodiment of fear. So it's sort of like art created reality. The idea of a Freddy Krueger figure created a Freddy Krueger figure in the real world. All right? So now, how this relates to Chaos Magic, again, couldn't recommend that movie more, especially if you really liked uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that it's, it's the worthwhile sequel. I think you could watch Nightmare 1, and then Nightmare 3, and then Nightmare 7. And that's like a perfect Nightmare trilogy, in my opinion. So, all right. <laughs> no more Nightmare on Elm Street. How that relates to Chaos Magic. 
is that in chaos, in chaos magic, a big component is something called invoking. So you see this in other forms of pagan thought um, where you are invoking certain gods and goddesses to, you know, do your bidding or give you some attribute, whatever. In chaos magic, you invoke these, you can invoke these figures, but you can also invoke anything else. I could, if I wanted to, invoke the spirit of Freddy Krueger to accomplish some things. I could invoke it to accomplish something externally, or I could invoke it to sort of come into me and give me some character attribute, all right? Now, that is, of course, we all know, or at least we think we know, that Freddy Krueger is not a real physical thing, you know? But isn't it? This is where we get into what is reality. If we live in a magical universe in which magic permeates everything, then the spirit, the real spirit of the cultural mythos of Freddy Krueger is just as valid as the cultural mythos of Aphrodite. Okay? If that is the case. All right? In that vein, then, those two cultural mythoses and spiritual energies of Aphrodite and Freddy Krueger are just as valid as Donald Trump. So any of these things, living, not living, politically active, something you can actually see and touch like Donald Trump, something you can't really see or touch uh, in a fit, in the physical form like Aphrodite, all of these things are equally valid to a practitioner of chaos magic in terms of invoking them. So that's the first big sort of blew, you know, my hair back. Like, wow, that's a really neat idea. Second thing is that there's something called sigil magic, which I think is really interesting. And I've started just doodling sigils, uh, not practicing at all, but I think it's an interesting idea. The thinking there is that if your whole goal with magical work, magical practicing, is to manifest reality, if your goal is to tap into the universal energies and use your intention to create something, then certain practitioners of chaos magic um, would say that a really great way to do that is sigil magic. And basically, a sigil is a symbol that you create, that you imbibe, with the intention, magical intention, that you want to see manifested in reality. Now, the thing I really like about that idea is that you are in that moment doing the thing that you hope will be done on a smaller scale. You are taking something from your imagination, from your magical, you know, goop in your head, turning it into this cool little sigil that you make up giving that sigil some sort of, you know, fire, uh, basically, you know, whatever, there are, are several ways to what they call firing the sigil, giving it the energy that it needs to work and then putting it away. So you are creating something into the real world based out of your intention already. And then that, as a metaphorical act, is meant to stimulate a higher change, deeper change, grander change in the universe as a whole. And I really like that idea. I think that idea is really poetic in a way. And I started, I started making a sizzle for Beltala. I started making a little, you know, Beltala sizzle. 
uh, not with the intention of, of uh, uh, firing it with any intention or anything, but just sort of as, as a personal, you know, magical system. Why not? Uh, so that's that's a, another really cool aspect of of uh, excuse me of chaos magic. So chaos magic in total, as as we're coming into the last few minutes of this episode, I want to say what I want to say about chaos magic and why it, it's interesting to me right now. It's because I often think that, for me anyway, I work better historically working from the present and going backwards. And so in understanding paganism and in learning paganism, I think I'm drawn to chaos magic because a lot of the uh, rationale, I would say, behind the basics of chaos magic that I understand right now is formed in a very, I would say, post-materialist, late capitalist world, or at least it's applicable to a post-materialist, late capitalist world. And so that's the world we live in, right? Capitalism, we're definitely in late capitalism, um, and I'd say we're even verging, teetering with the idea of being post-capitalist, um, and whatever comes next, who knows, but and we're definitely in a post-materialist world. I would say I would say you can look around this country right now in 2016, and if you took a survey of people, uh, you know, you would find that most people are not materialist in that they do not believe that any material good can give them anything other than what the good, you know, uh, actually serviceably able to give them. A phone will not give you happiness. It will let you make calls. <laughs> so... I would say we live in a sort of post-materialist world, and, and that's a bigger ideological thought beyond just what material can do for you. It's a bigger, you know, philosophical thing um, that uh, maybe we'll say for another episode. But chaos magic, I feel like, fits into that niche, the modern niche, really, really well. And so as a learner, as someone who is trying their best to learn paganism, and to sort of branch out into a bunch of different places to see where he fits in, chaos is a good place to start because at least, even if I, you know, get into these books and I'm like, oh, Prometheus Rising, that's the other one I, I ordered. I've ordered uh, Libra Null and Prometheus Rising, Rising, and they're both in the mail currently. So even if I read those and I'm not inspired to keep learning more, or if I read those and I'm like, oh, this is incredible, and I you know, get four more books and I devour those and I keep going and the next two years of my life is just consumed by chaos magic. <laughs> Either way, what that will give me is a foundation to work back, to work backward from. I feel like unlike established religious thought, which is just going to give you a doctrine and say, oh, and that's the other thing about chaos magic. And really quickly, I said the word and it just sparked off in my brain. Uh, chaos magic is, I would call, a doctrinal. Um, big component of chaos magic is you you do not ever accept the doctrine. Period. And there's this whole process of deprogramming your mind so that you sort of remove all doctrine from you. Um, and that also means that you don't even accept the doctrine of chaos magic. You use it when you need it, and then you and then you toss it away. You invoke, you know, Freddy Krueger when you need it, and then you toss it away. Big component. Sorry, I saved it so late in the episode, but it's a huge, huge at uh, the backbone of, of chaos magic. So, um, so I feel like because there is not a set doctrine for paganism, 
in general, I would say. There's some who would tell you there is, but my basic understanding is that there's not. It's very personal. Uh, you kind of have to create your own. And for me, the best way to do that is not to start from the beginning and work forward. It's to start from right now and work backward. And so right now, chaos magic is the thing I'm really interested in. I've got some books coming in the mail. Maybe I'll do an episode on, on you know, sort of highlights of Libernal, highlights of Prometheus Rising in the future, and that'll be the, you know, further uh, conversation about chaos magic uh, because those are both sort of core texts from what I understand. So thank you very much for listening to this very, very quick, rust brief introduction to chaos magic. We will be returning to this topic later on. I very much hope that the next episode will be Friday at noon. Uh, if it's not, well, we'll do it when it gets there. Thanks, everybody. I've been Bell Pala. This has been Learning Paganism, Episode 3. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 